The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
blessing by faith I've received from above. Oh, glory, my soul is made perfect in love. My prayer has prevailed, and this moment I know the blood is applied. I am whiter. It is God's intention. It is his great desire that you pass from death to life. If you have not yet gained the victory over your sin and you die in that condition, you will suffer everlasting torment. That is reality. I cannot soften that for you. We spoke yesterday about what is sin. Sin is the deliberate cutting off from the way of God and following the way of darkness. It is insisting that I keep my life, that I am God and I'm in charge of what I do and what I think and where I go how I spend my money. I'm in charge. And we trace through the scriptures the destruction that happens when a man or a woman cuts off their connection with God or never establishes that connection, that Holy Spirit presence that guides our steps, that teaches us the way to go. It is the expectation. It is the requirement of God that you pray in faith and in the spirit of repentance, not just prayer. Prayer that is not done in the spirit of humility, that is not done in the spirit of repentance, is an insult to Jesus. You cannot pray for real forgiveness of sin, for removal of sin, without committing yourself totally and completely to the will of God. 
in Colossians, the second chapter. I'd like to begin reading for you at verse 6. Welcome. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. These subjects are so serious. As death stalks our land, as we are required to stop socializing, stop attending church, stop all non-essential travel, as we are required by the government for health reasons. Our whole life is turned upside down. It is a judgment from God. It was created by the devil, but God has allowed it for a wake-up call for God's people. Now, I'm going to say something that may cause you some pain. But please listen and understand where Pastor Ray is coming from. And that my heart is a heart of love for you. In Colossians, the second chapter, I'll begin with verse 6. But let's pray first. Lord, this subject is so vital for eternal life. It is so important. I pray that our ears will be open and our hearts will be open, that we could receive the word from the scriptures. I pray, Lord, for your people today. I pray you will move upon them and save them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Colossians 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That can be an extremely dangerous passage of Scripture for you to both read and hear. Why? Because, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so someone reads that passage, or you read that passage of Scripture, the problem is, what if you never received Jesus Christ as Lord, but you think you have? You've never given up your life, but you believe you're a Christian, and you're doing the best you can do, but you have no victory. Then this passage comforts you in your sin, and you begin to say, yes, I received Christ Jesus, but did you receive him as Lord, as King, as Master? Continue to live in him, rooted, build up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Is that what's happening in your life today? Or are you rooted in money, in pleasure? Are you rooted and built up 
in your entertainment and your love of the world? Or have you cut off all of that and you are now rooted and built up in Jesus Christ? See to it, verse 8, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. You see, God calls you to repent now. He calls you to submit now. You are insulting Jesus when you ask him to forgive you for your sins when you have no intention of leaving your sin. When you have no intention of fully giving up your life to Jesus Christ and you pray and ask for forgiveness, you are insulting Jesus. You must renounce all sin, all excuses, all unbelief, all hardness of heart, and every wicked thing in your life forever. This calls for a totally new creature in Christ, a totally new person in Jesus. So, do you have things in your life today that stand between you and Jesus? Does fear stand between you and Jesus? Does unbelief, does love of the world, love of entertainment, love of the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, does all of this stand in between you and Jesus? Then don't begin to imagine that you can believe that you have received Jesus as Lord and that you continue to live in him. If you have dead religion, you're not in Jesus. If you have a form of godliness, but no power. You don't live in Jesus. In Second Colossians, in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Has the sinful nature been put off from your life? The great sorrow of my heart is to see people who call themselves Christians, but they have no love for one another, and they are not willing to give up their life to Jesus. They want to go and sit in a pew and listen to a sermon, have the pastor tell a few jokes, have maybe a touch of of some emotional movement of their heart with some beautiful story, some portion of scripture explained and intellectually they understand it. And then they go home, fight with their wife or their husband, separate, even divorce, and still call themselves Christians. 
That's not Christian. That's the world, the flesh, and the devil. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Again, a very dangerous statement. If, in fact, that has not happened for you, but you read this second chapter of Colossians and say, Oh, yes, that's me. I got it covered. I'm good to go. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Have you, in fact, been buried with Jesus? Or are you a Laodicea Christian, a a lukewarm Christian, a cultural Christian? Or is your heart on fire? Is there a, a passion in your soul for Jesus? Do you pray and does your heart gush out all of the love you have for Jesus unreservedly, without inhibition? Do you pray? Do you lay on the floor before God? Do you listen to the Spirit? Verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. My fear for you is that you may be still dead in your sin. If you're still walking in sin, you're dead in your sin. The uncircumcision of your sinful nature. Are you walking in that today? God wants you to pass from death to life. He wants you to come from the realm of darkness. And he doesn't want you to stop in the twilight land. He wants you to come fully out into the light where it can be seen that you serve and love and honor Jesus Christ. He wants you to have the victory over all sin. Yes, my brother, my sister. We should not be deceived by evil, wicked, worldly philosophy that says you can never have the victory over your sin. That's coming from a man who is unwilling to die, from a man who is unwilling to be buried with Christ. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave or he removed all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that were against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Now, Let's come back and consider this issue of sin. Some of you will say, Pastor, I've tried to deal with my sin, but I simply can't leave it. And if I confront you one-on-one, you would admit to me 
if you were honest, that the reason you can't leave your sin is because you love your sin and you don't want to leave it. One man walking in a church building, I saw that he was chewing tobacco. I confronted him. He was one of those who served in the church. He said, I've tried, Pastor, to kick this chewing. I just can't do it. I said to him, I know why you can't do it. Why, Pastor? Because you love chewing tobacco. And you love chewing tobacco more than you love Jesus. Because you still live in the realm of darkness. You're right, Pastor. That is the truth. Well, when are you going to decide that you love Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus. You love Jesus, but you're hell-bound because you won't give up the filthy habits of life. You won't turn away from that which you love. It's too precious for you. You see and feel and sense the need for tobacco right now, but you don't see and feel and know the need for Jesus right now. What's going to happen to you? Well, he said, I guess maybe I'll just go to hell. Is that okay with you? Well, no, I'd rather not, but it can't be that bad. Oh, brother, it's worse than that. It's far worse than that because you're going to see the extent of the love Jesus has for you. And you're going to see at the end what you have missed. And then you will kneel before Jesus and confess his name, but it will be too late for you. Like Esau, there will be no salvation for you because you were not willing to suffer for Jesus and turn aside from those fleshly desires that rule over you. Remember, sin is an is an action that metastasizes, that spreads. And that sin goes to your family. You spread it to your friends. Sin leads to death. The wages of sin are death. Now, in the book of James... Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Temptation always comes from the evil one and from our own wicked heart. Verse 14, this is James 1, verse 14, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And the devil brings that enticement via the computer, the internet, movies, other people, 
and he entices us. Then after this enticement ignites our heart with desire, James says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So the urge comes, and we must decide what we're going to do with it. Will you be enticed by that wicked thing that rises in your heart? Or will you cry out to Jesus for deliverance? Will you cry out to Jesus and say, Oh my God, I'm going to fall if you don't rescue me. And continue to cry out until that enticement has been destroyed in your heart. We learn that the scriptures... In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, is the sword of the Spirit. You must engage in warfare. The victory is already ours in Jesus Christ. There is no reason, there is no logical reason for any person to ever walk in sin again. The victory is there for us in the Scriptures, in the prayer if we'll learn how to use the scriptures as a weapon against the devil and begin to quote the promises of God to give us the victory over all sin and darkness. Because sin, when it's full grown, according to James 15, when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be kind of first fruits of all he created. My brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring the righteousness or the righteous life of God that he desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That evil is the direct cocaine line into the devil. And when we say yes, we get pumped with the heroin or with the cocaine. It's moral filth. It's bitterness. It's anger. Pardon me. It's it's turning aside from the living God of heaven. It's choosing to go our own way. Now, when we come over here to First John, First John, first the third chapter. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. 
and that is what we are. See, again, this is a very dangerous passage of Scripture because, oh, the Father loves me. I'm a child of God. That is what we are. But what if you're not? What if you're not a child of God? What if you're just religious? What if you don't enjoy spending time reading the scriptures and praying? What if you enjoy just the world and the way of the world? What if your heart is full of sin? What if you have not received the love of the Father, but you've received a form of religion? Well, this is such a desperate issue for American churches today. Because most people sitting in the pews of America's churches are not saved, they're lost. The majority of people sitting in church Sunday after Sunday, they've never had the love of God lavished on them because they've never repented of their sin. They've never wholeheartedly turned aside and said, I'm done with it. I want to walk with Jesus. My love belongs to him now. I give up the ownership of my children and my wife and my husband. I give up the ownership of all money and all things. I give up everything for the name of Jesus. Is that your heart cry? The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. (laughs) We know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. There is a process that we must go through. It is not salvation by works. Salvation is from Jesus. It is a free gift. He makes us righteous. But we must cooperate with him. We must agree with him. We must humble our hearts before him and say, Jesus, I will trust you to transform me into your likeness. When he says, turn aside from that, we turn aside quickly. When he says, what you just said to that man was not right, make it right. We quickly act. What you just did in stealing, in lying, in cheating, stop, repent, turn aside from your lust. Everyone who sins breaks the law. Everyone who sins is lawless. That is, we're connected with a line of nourishment to the devil. That line of nourishment from the devil must be severed, and we must have a line of nourishment established with Jesus. That line of nourishment from the devil feeds us poison, anger, bitterness, hardness of heart, pride, 
self-reliance. The line from Jesus brings forth all righteousness, love, peace, joy. What law is there against love and joy and peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness? What law is there against that? There is no law against that. That is the lifeline, the nourishment from Jesus that flows into us and produces this result. Jesus came. I want to read this for you exactly the way it's written in the in the NIV. You read it in other translations, it's the same meaning, but you know that he appeared. He appeared as a baby in Bethlehem. He appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on Do you hear that? That's straight from the word of God. And I could give you many, many other places where it says the identical thing. You cannot continue walking in sin and believe with any integrity that you are saved. If you are walking in sin, you are lost. And if you die in your sin, you are eternally lost. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Why? Because when you finally begin to see the incredible, wonderful love of Jesus Christ, you never want to turn aside from that again. When you begin to comprehend in your heart who God is, that he loves you, that he wants the very best for you. He's not trying to take something from you that would benefit you. He is trying to take from you the rattlesnake that will kill you. He's trying to save your life. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. You can't live in Jesus and continue to sin. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Now don't try to tell me, out of the traditions of man, don't try to tell me that I can do what is sinful and be of Jesus. That's an oxymoron. It's impossible. You can't do it. Because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The reason Jesus came was to destroy the devil's work in your life. He loves you. And he wants to save you. But you're going to have to become very honest with him. You're going to have to go through a realignment of your spiritual life. You're going to have to examine yourself and stop the fun and games. I used to look at some of the photographs of my family. 
back in the late 1920s to the 30s. They looked very, very sober, and we used to laugh as children about about how sober they looked and called them old sober sides. My dad sat us down. He said to me, Raymond, there's a reason why they look so sober. They've come through a very difficult financial time when they weren't sure they could even live through it. Many did not. Many died. A soberness came upon them because they recognized the seriousness of whether they would live or die. Many families had half of their children or more die. Many had no food to feed their babies, and the babies died. Several million people died during the Great Depression of starvation. We're coming into another depression. They can print all the government money they want to print, but the truth is the government does not produce goods or services. So they can bring their phony money, they can bring their fiat currency, but the fact is America is going into a great depression if God does not save us. And things are going to become very serious and life-threatening. They already are. They've been saying the coronavirus doesn't affect the millennials and the young. But they're finding in Italy that's not true. Half of those who are sick and have died were under the age of 50. We live in a time that's very sober. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work in our hearts. The reason my great-grandpa looked so serious was because times were very hard and were life-threatening. We've had everything we wanted easy. All you had to do was go to work and earn the money and pay for your way. And there were lots of jobs. We've grown up and lived in a time of immense prosperity. Where at the end of the month, many people have discretionary spending. The time is coming when that will not be true. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. That's what the scriptures say. That's not Pastor Ray. That's the word of God. Now, you can disagree. But if you begin to disagree with the word of God, what will you agree with? Will you say, take the book of 1 John out. We don't want to listen to that anymore. Or or take the book of Romans out. We don't want to listen to that anymore. No, the whole Bible. The Bible is the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the revealed word of God. When it says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin, and the preacher stands up and he says, don't worry about your sin, you're saved, and you can never be lost because you confessed the name of Jesus. You know that man is lying to you. 
because it doesn't agree with the scripture. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in you. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. If you can continue going on sinning, the seed of God is not in you and you are not saved. If the seed of God is not in you, you have not been born of God. And there has to be a radical change in your whole life in what you understand as the Christian faith. There is a much higher place that God is calling you to. It is to a place of victory and joy and life and love. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Now, I opened this broadcast talking about... How should I say it? Passing over from death into life. And I want to tell you where that came from. In the early hours of this morning, as I often do, I awakened to pray. As I awakened, the words were spoken in my mind... Passover from death to life. And I immediately was alert because I knew that was the word of God that I was to share with you today. I'd been praying through the hours of the evening and then through portions of the night asking him to speak directly to me regarding the word he wanted me to share with you. And the word was Passover from death to life. Now in First John, the third chapter, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murder has eternal life. This is how we know that we love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. A dear man that that came to Jesus through this ministry showed up at my door and he had 50 pounds of rice and a bunch of toilet paper. I said, brother, that's what the gospel is about. Helping to make sure that each one of us is covered. Is that your heart? I want you to see that when you leave your sin, all selfishness leaves your heart, and you begin to cry out, how can I do the work of the gospel for Jesus Christ? How can I move this forward? How can I demonstrate my love for my brother? 
You see, when we get connected with Jesus, we get connected with our brothers and sisters. And we don't cut them off, and we don't turn away from them. And when they do something we don't like, we don't say, I don't want to be around you anymore. Instead, Galatians says, set that brother right, but be careful, lest you also fall. You see, we've not known what the church is about. We've not known what the gospel of Jesus is about because a lying gospel has been proclaimed in America that says sin is not that serious. Jesus covers it, and when God looks at me, he doesn't see me or my sin. He sees Jesus. That's a that's a heresy. It's not in Scripture. It's a lie. Jesus is offering to give us absolute, total, and complete victory in this life. Now, it can be yours. But you're going to have to do what you have to do. Get on your face and cry out to God and repent of your sin and do so with a spirit of humility and a willingness to let God have full control of your life. You must give up your control. If you live, this is Romans 8, verse 13, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and we cry out, Abba, Father. When you're finally clean, all you can do is cry out, Abba, Father, I love you. And then he moves in your heart, and you love others. And you sacrifice yourself. We're called. Will you respond? Lord Jesus, I pray for each who's listening. I pray that they will be cut to the heart. That they will see the ugliness of sin and the beauty of righteousness, innocence, being clean, being one with you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now, just very quickly, before I close the broadcast, we're at the end of the month. We're still far from having enough to pay for this month. I know money can be very tight. Some of you are not even working. But I know you have some savings. You may have gold or silver or or jewelry. The radio station will expect to be paid at the end of the month. It's just a few days away. I'm asking, as the Holy Spirit leads you, would you help cover this cost? One precious woman sent a check with her normal gift, and then yesterday went to PayPal and gave that much again. It's going to require that kind of sacrifice for us to be able to keep this broadcast on the air. The Word of God needs to go out to this city. This is a crucial time when people are off work, 
this is a crucial time to have this broadcast in Washington, D.C. If you agree with me, will you help me with this work of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It will require sacrifice. It's requiring great sacrifice from me. And I know it will from you if you want to be a part of the work of the gospel of Jesus. We need some large offerings and we need some small. One precious woman sent $7, a check for $7. I lifted it up before the Lord and said, Lord, thank you that you moved in this woman's heart to give to you. It is a widow's might. Others of you can give 50, 100, 200. Some of you could give 1,000 or 5,000 or 10,000. Do you see the need? Some of you have stored gold and silver. You've stored and kept in your jewelry case jewelry that you'll never wear again, but it has great value. Would you give whatever you have for the work of the gospel? Every penny will go to pay for the work of the gospel. I'm willing to come day by day I'm giving my life to this radio broadcast. Will you give yours to help the message go out? Would you write to me? Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now let me make one very plain statement to you. This is a faith ministry, and I know Jesus will cover the cost. I know he's moving in your heart even right now as you listen to this, and as you listen later on YouTube or on another platform, I know God will move in your heart to give hilariously. In fact, I know he's moving right now, and I thank you for what you have already given. One dear brother sent a large offering. I thank you, dear brother. And others are also giving. Would you give now too? You can give online by going to nationalprayerchapel.com. Shirley, thank you. It was wonderful to hear from you. And Alicia, thank you. And many others. It takes each one of us to cover the bill. It's almost $4,000. I'll be giving you the exact figures probably tomorrow that we still lack. But God bless you as you pray, as you seek his face, as you review the scriptures that I've shared with you today. Well, we're out of time. (laughs) My faith is in Jesus. I'm not wavering. I don't like being home alone all the time. I don't like 
not being able to visit with brothers and sisters except by telephone. But it's okay. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory.